You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 147th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Hi, I'm Matthew Allen in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Okay? And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts. Little guy, I know you guys don't like it when I go off script, but I got to tell you something. Do you know what I did today? You don't know. I'm just going to interrupt you and tell you. Fat bikes. Nope, I, I don't have a fat bike. Um... I completely tore down, scrubbed, cleaned, and polished, and polished my bike. Which one? Doesn't matter. I did it to a bike. Am <laughs> I now, weird. I need you to answer this, am I now a New England elite, like, snob cyclist? Uh, I mean, you might, you're a New Englander. I don't know. Elite is not a word I always throw around. I, um, when talking like about me or just in general? Yeah. Well, kind of in general. Um, did you lose a bet with Meyerson or something? <laughs> no. Because I, I, I kind of see that, that that would be the sort of thing that he would, you know, I don't know what you would get him to do, but I, th- I could see that if he wanted to punish you for losing a bet. It's like a punishment. Reward yeah. himself at the same time, he would make you clean one of your bikes. Mm. It'd make him so happy probably. You know, I did live with him for uh, for a while, and it was very, very much like a Karate Kid situation where, you know, he has 14 bikes downstairs, and he's like, okay, I need you to go down and polish all the bikes, and you have to go in the up and down, you know, like motion with the wa- with the rag, and if you do it a different way, I'm going to know, and I'm going to be mad at you, and you're going to have to do it again. So, so he he's a big fan of getting the frames polished? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He uh, he washes them down after every ride. You know, probably every day. I would say. That's a very important thing to do. So, so when you're polishing your frame, Spencer, do you concentrate on the hubs or on the um, like bottom bracket? Like, what's your well, you gotta, what's the most difficult place for you to clean? You're gonna work from the top down. Oh, is that is that the key? This is like That's that Seinfeld key. episode where Jerry <laughs> teaches Kramer how to shower, and he tells him you have to start you have to start at the top and work your way down so you can use gravity to suds up your feet. Yeah, I mean, it's spend as much time. Basically, that's the same principle. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming Spencer, because you were cleaning a bicycle today, that um you did in fact not ride a bicycle today. Oh no. And. Little guy, you had a uh, ride, and you and I actually shared something in common this week in our rides. Um, yeah, that we got that, our asses handed to us. That we both got dropped. Um, yeah. Now, is there anything more demoralizing than being dropped on a bike ride? Well, I got dropped about 55 times because they kept waiting for me, and then I would get dropped again like almost instantly. So that might have been a little more demoralizing. <laughs> but it was it was nice to get out on a ride, but no, there really isn't. It is yeah, always and, the toughest thing when you're like, why can't I do this? I think that's the detriment of road riding to every newbie is that you do get dropped and you really got to have some kind of uh, fortitude to continue on to keep coming back week after week and, hold, and holding on. Whereas at least mountain biking, 
people usually are waiting for you at the trail junction because you're only going to be a couple minutes behind at the most. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the road, I mean, I, I slowly saw that group um, going away. <laughs> and I like to think that there was excuses, like a car got in the way, which a car did, but I still got dropped. You know what I mean? And it was, yeah. oh man, it was purely because I did not have the fitness and it was a miserable ride home um, with one other person that got dropped. And uh, yeah, and like you... And then you, you try to find comfort in that one other person that you're riding with, like very like, oh, hey, we're, we'll catch them. Like, let's keep up. Like, we'll keep up the hard work. And they're just like, yeah, we can do it. And then about 30 seconds later, you're both like, ask her it. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's just try to keep it above 20. All right. <laughs> work together to each other. I, I had forgotten about, uh, well, one, road rides are hard in a group of any size. It goes really fast and that's painful. It's a lot different than riding on your own. But two. Uh, I forgot about the pure joy of getting out into the country onto some nice roads and just getting yelled at by uh, dickheads in cars for no apparent reason. Really yeah. miss that. Oh, just really great Trump voters and trucks and rich dickheads and Audis. is really great. So cruising around Wyzetta, always a good time. Sounds yeah, good. but I mean, I think that it's, you know, you, you, you get all types of uh, high fives from people that um, really aren't high fives. It's more of like a single digit um, thrown your way when you're out yeah. there uh, riding. Uh, I know I've, it quite I've had well. Some, I've had some really nice folks uh, like try and offer me drinks while I was out, you know, like just, uh, you know, they don't really understand the sticky bottle thing. So it was more like a, a yeah, I would say it was a pretty fast moving uh, bottle of uh Mountain Dew, I think it was, that went past the group at one yeah. point. Yeah. Probably just, was. Just kind of comes at you pretty fast. Yeah. I think that the um, – yeah, it's, it. it's It's a little tough out there. I will say that um, I really do enjoy uh, a good solid um, like Jeep driver wave every now and then that you do get. Like every now and then you do get that car that kind of pulls over a little bit to the side of the road to let the group go by. And they do that little like four-finger lift up. Like they're not going to like you know give you the full f- – the full-fledged wave but they're going like yeah 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 like yeah get off my road but i'm gonna let you go by yeah. kind of like off my yeah. road quickly so see they're thinking ahead other people they're they're yelling at you those are the people that like yell at you for blocking traffic and then they stop their car to yell at you and you're like dude what, yeah what are you doing these people that just wave you through they're like okay i just got to get this over with if i wave them through they'll be off my road quicker yeah that's, that's right and it's so, always um, it's always fun to get yelled at when uh you know like there's a, a light or a junction up ahead and they're going to be stopped at the red light and you get to roll up next to them and be like, Oh, hi, were you the yeah. guy yelling yeah. at me? And then they never look at you. They look straight ahead two hands, mm-hmm. 10 and two on the yeah. wheel and like just ignoring like hardcore. That's the window, window is up. now the window is miraculously up. I yeah. will say one of my favorite things is when you're on a group ride and someone does that to you and the group rides here in Orlando are like a hundred people or so. And yeah, when they get up idea. to that light in front of you and then everyone just goes around their car and gets back in front of them again. <laughs> yeah. Like that's kind of, there, there's a little bit of satisfaction in that where they're just yeah. like, all right, well, we're just going to get yeah. in front of you again. Like, you know, it's kind of a, that's um, easy for you with 100 people. I mean, I was on a ride with three people. I think we passed a ride that had like eight people at one point. That was the biggest group ride we saw. So. <laughs> well, hey, it's not um, the same. When I was on the ride, uh, I heard someone talking about a uh, technical device that I didn't really understand. I was hoping you guys could help me out here. Um, <laughs> someone was talking about compact cranks. Uh, <laughs> technical device, huh? All, all I know about compact cranks is that uh, 
they um, you're supposed to have them if you like to go climb in the mountains or something. And then I was wondering why someone would have compact cranks here in Florida. Am I on the right path here? You guys are my bike experts. Why would someone have it in Florida? I guess because they're not riding like truthfully. So the what the standard road setup fifty two thirty nine. It doesn't make any sense unless you're only riding in groups. Because why why are you going in that fifty three? It's too big for just chilling by yourself. But a fifty makes a little more sense. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the 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 compact cranks are for gravel grinding. Like that is that's a good point because even your top speed flat out on the gravel is gonna be down a little bit. Yeah, and if you know, uh, if uh, you'd want compact cranks, a if you are grinding gravel, b if you're not planning to race bikes, uh, c if you um, don't want to go fast. Uh, there's plenty of reasons. You can still go fast. Well, fifty twelve is still a pretty big gear. What's the inner go to on a compact crank? So it's like fifty, what thirty four, thirty six usually. I think. Yeah, thirty six, thirty four, somewhere in there. Well, I don't, I don't know what it is with with Shimano E, the Shimano E SRAM world, because all that stuff's one thirty BCD for regular. But for the campy world, for us cool kids over in campy world, we're a little <laughs> limited. Because we got a larger BCD, so the smallest inner ring that we can run is a 39. So that's why you'll notice I always have a 39 on the inside of my cross bike because it's as small as I can go. So um, I would like to go a little smaller on my cross bike, you know, have the bigger ring and have an actual smaller ring as opposed to a. Did I shift? Look down. Yeah, I did. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm just I'm just envisioning what Campy World is, like how you like like oh we're over here in Campy World where oh, everyone man. else is in Shram Shimano World, and I'm starting to think of like when I was in elementary school and there was the the advanced smart kids class that got like pulled it's out like 15 minutes like, that, like yeah. the gifted and talented kids. Yeah, Ooh, it's gifted okay, talented. gifted and talented kids, you're gonna go do the cool stuff while <laughs> those guys are gonna learn how to read. Well, see, it's pretty much that, yeah. That's funny yeah. that that's the direction you went, because I was thinking Campy World was like a segment of Disney World, uh, more like a place you go and like it, sort of like laugh and point and like are like, whoa, look at that. That thing's crazy. And then you're like, ah, well, you know, you go here to visit it because it doesn't exist where you are, you know? Like, like nobody rides thumb. Nobody rides Campy. This is crazy. The rides break down at Campy World and they can be fixed because yeah. they're like, oh, well, we have that. We can take that apart and fix it. It's going to be great. <laughs> you and take parts from Shimano the other Campy World, rides. Something, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, well, we away. just need to replace that. <laughs> the whole monorail gets lifted off, thrown in the yeah. trash can, and a whole new monorail gets put but down. But it's, it's a whole new better monorail, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, that's like what you want to do. The Campy ones are great, but, you know, they're, yeah, wh- they're never going to be replace... advanced that much. Yeah, why replace one part when you can replace the whole thing? That's always been my motto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, Shimano should really start just leasing their levers. And so it's a way for people to sort of hedge their bets. Uh, you know, like you pay $10 a month as long as you own the levers. So maybe you get off pretty sweet because, like, you crash in that first crit and you didn't spend 150 bucks on your levers. But maybe... You own the bike for three years and you spend more money, you know? It sounds like some socialist propaganda. I know. It's yeah. a total way to <laughs> steal money from stupid people. <laughs> just, just, just buy campy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, so the, that's, the that's my guess. The demographics of this Tim. podcast, like people, the amount of people that want to go to campy world 
It's less than five. Everyone no else way. is like, oh, I don't know. Great. We, we have... Ruby Rubey's got my back. Can he's I just... got a he's yeah. got Can a I Delta. Just... <laughs> he's yeah. got a Delta caliper on his Twitter handle. Come on, well, back I... me up. Back me up, yeah. Ruby Rubey. I think Campy's great, but I will say that I really, really liked riding my old uh, Shimano Di2. That was fun because like the shifting never like failed me, mm. except the time I forgot a battery. But that mm-hmm. was. Yeah, user error. Spencer, do you ever have any problems with electronic shifting? I uh, just yeah, I prefer not to talk about it. But I sold oh, okay. that stuff within a year. Yeah. Um, um, if you rob a bank, you can get electronic campy shifting. That's <laughs> true. It's true. You can. That's like a VIP a section bank, of campy world, though. They don't let you. They don't let anybody in there. Um, you know. Yeah. In fact, they don't even let you in if you have like. A ticket from Eight Speed Campy World. They don't let you into the regular <laughs> Campy World. Like they have those those two worlds are totally different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the trouble with Campy World is it's not interchangeable. They build they build the new attractions to the park, and they yeah. they just build a wall with a gate there, and they're like, oh, <laughs> the no, 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 no. You, you got a ticket about... to Nine Speed Campy World. Yeah. You can't play with anything in Ten Speed Campy. World. That'd be such a shiny, then, shiny but a bummer of a place. Whatever you do, just don't get on the Delta Brakes ride because it just never stops. <laughs> no, they stop. They just stop too fast. They have too much mechanical advantage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've read, I read one time a very good article that explained why why they were bad brake, which was not that they didn't have enough power. It's that the 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 mechanical advantage increases over the arc of the lever pull as opposed to decreases with most brakes. Mm-hmm. So you actually get more power. As you pull the levers, which you think that's a good idea, but it's not because then you lock up your brakes and you skid off the road and die, whereas you want to have <laughs> the most power and then less mechanical advantage so it slows the bike down. But, but they're so pretty. They are so pretty. That's, um, that's the thing. It might be worth it. I, they're fine brakes. I thought they were fine to use. Yeah. I never felt like I was going to die. I used them in a crit a couple times. I did Opus with it. Well, there you go. So um, we do have a lot to talk about with actual bike racing. <laughs> Did so any, was the, there a bike wait, race? Yes, there was. And I want to segue right into it. And, of course, I'm talking about the Tour de du Cameroon, um, <laughs> where Nicodemus Holler of Team Bike Aid took the victory. And, little guy, let's talk yeah. a little bit about um, Team Bike Aid and this, uh, this guy Nicodemus Holler, who is the future of um, German cycling. <laughs> well, here's what I know about him. One. He's wearing a good kit. Two, he won this bike race. And three, if you go on Pro Cycling Stats and you look back to his five-year-ago picture, uh, he's got puffy hair. Like He looks <laughs> like he just took a shower and his hair's kind of puffy and he looks really young. He's still got kind of puffy hair, but his like first pro team, you're like, that's some puffy hair. This this bike aid team, though, can we, I mean, that kid, kid is pretty sick. Yeah, this kid is incredible. Yeah, How have I not one... seen this before? This may be one of the better kits like, I've seen. It's like third division, probably. There's some good kits. If you okay, so scroll around pro cycling stats and just click on random uh, lower category races, yeah. there's some interesting kits that, so, that go unnoticed. I highly recommend everyone go on there, take a look for the Bike Aid kit. This is a, it's almost like a geometric shape pastel. Um, Oh. Like a, a blue is the main color here. It's it's really well done, even for such a boxy bike aid logo. Very very well done. Yeah, it's got shades of shades of of uh, mape. It does hint of mape. We could call it. And it's then a, um, 
Yeah. Now, naturally, everyone thinks that that was the race. Um, you know, everyone wants to talk about that race. But the other race that does uh, deserve mention, of course, is the Trofeo Alfreda Binda mm-hmm. of the Women's World Tour. Um, because an American won, and because it is the Women's World Tour race of the weekend. And things have gotten off well for Corinne Riviera, who mm-hmm. is a, uh, you know, longtime nemesis of the Slow Ride podcast. She beat both Spencer and I in a uh, yep. points race years ago at the Kenosha oh, Velodrome. Multi-time national champion. It was great to see. And gentlemen, I don't know if you saw the picture of the post-up of the finish. Yeah. No. First off, Corinne takes it in a great sprint. The gifts are floating around the internet. Take a look at it. Leads it from way out. Takes the victory. And when she posts up, she has the uh, she has like the hang loose um, <laughs> finger thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. Not, I, I mean, not the devil. I mean, I guess they're devil horns, but not not really. No, they're not. The no, devil it's horns. just it's the thumb the, and the, the hang loose. It's just yeah, the uh, the hang loose. But what's crazy is Arlena Sierra, who got second of Astana women's cycling team, is also posting up with in second place in a clear second place. This was not like a accidental post up huh. from like she thought she was winning and then Corinne still threw her bike. Um, and no. yeah. some investigative research shows that she was just really, really stoked to get second place in the race and also posted up to be <laughs> like, heck yeah, I did it. Yeah. And well, you're pumped, you're pumped. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I saw someone on uh, Twitter was talking about how, yeah, you know, I once, uh, like, you know, gave a old uh, dab when I crossed the uh, the finish line in third place at a cross race. And I was like, you know, I've been pretty excited not winning a race, but still coming across, like, with a little bit of swagger Man. when I got, like, sixth place at a road race or something. I would definitely dab if I won a race these days. I think I've only won races on the track, though, so you can't really do anything. It's it's, so, it's yeah. nerve-wracking to take your hands off the bars on the track. Well, so do you think a dab is coming in the professional peloton and is it going to be and will it be Peter Sagan who does it when he wins? Uh probably. probably. Yeah. If probably. something if something new and amazing is going to happen, you know Sagan's going to do it. Okay. And so dabbing, as you guys know, fans of the podcast, it's really popular among elementary school <laughs> children yeah and i want to say this we had uh friends that were here uh, staying with us um a couple weeks ago and she's an art teacher she's like a third and fourth grade art teacher and really she said that she was in the middle of class and she would tell the kids like all right just put a little dab of paint right here and then every time she'd say dab the kids would do the dab thing yeah and she didn't understand what the heck was going on so every time she'd say dab the kids would just stop what they're doing and they they dab <laughs> Yeah, and um, so she goes into the uh, teachers' lounge and was like, "What are these kids doing?" And they're like, "Oh, it's a new dance." <laughs> and that's when you realize how old you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other big race. Speaking of bike throws, Peter Sagan almost crashes out Michael Kiwakowski and Julian Alaphilippe at the finish of Milan San Remo. An amazing bike handling skills as Kiwakowski takes the victory. I thought we were about to see complete carnage at the end of the sprint, but Kiwakowski takes the win. Peter Sagan reaches over, gives him a good old hearty handshake, a victory salute, and we have another edition of Milan San Remo for the record books, and I absolutely loved the last 40 kilometers of it. Yeah, it was pretty great. Seeing Sagan attack was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know more you can say. It was pretty great. It was a little boring, I thought, until the moment Sagan attacked, like... 
I kind of didn't think anyone was going to attack up the climb, up the last climb. There, there's well, nothing on the Chapressa. Like, like that didn't even no. you do anything. There was a few little moves, and but nothing serious. No one could make anything stick. It seemed like the pace was pretty high on the climb. Was that just Dumoulin on the front, too? Just stringing it out? That was yeah. weird. Did you guys think that was weird? Dumoulin on the front working so hard, obviously. And whoever the guy from Sky was who was leading the peloton, like a little bit off his wheel, looks like he was just... He looked like he was just nose breathing. That makes me nervous for the classics that are coming because Roe was just sort of like, yeah, I'm keeping you in check, you grand tour mountain climbing wizard, you. No biggie. Yeah, I was worried um, because last year there was just really no attacks up the Poggio, you know, and it was really kind of a bummer. Um, But then, yeah, Sagan Sagan hit the front and just turned the screws and, like, no, like Dumoulin had been going for like a couple minutes trying to shred everybody, and then Sagan's like, "Okay, let me just show you how to do this," and just drops yeah. everybody. It was brutal. It was a pretty sweet move, though, right? I mean, I'm, I know you guys, of course, agree with that, but to see the um, the descent, that hairy yeah. descent, that makes that this descent. race so amazing. Oh. Um, I still think that the the final 40k, um, the real excitement for a, a vast majority of us that were on the pirate feeds was finding a um, feed that did not keep failing us yeah. or telling me that I had to upload my flash or like upgrade my flash um, mm-hmm. um, level. So that was it was exciting to finally find something that worked. And then right before, you know, right after I found that, Peter Sagan goes on the attack. So I was excited to see nothing happen on the Trapresa because I wasn't able to watch it. Mm. And then. Sagan goes, and man, all hell broke loose. And then I kind of figured once Kiwakowski was with him that you're like, oh man, Kiwakowski, this is not some flash in the pan kind of guy. This is a guy uh, that's the former world champion. Like yeah. he had a really good year when he was the world champion two years ago. Um, He's having a good you know, year this year. I mean, he had a yeah. tough year last year, but man, he is he has been flying this year. Um, I uh, I didn't He's see it coming. To I gotta say, I didn't see it coming. Like I, I knew that group was strong, and all three of those dudes were strong. And I wouldn't have been surprised to see any one of those names as the winner at the end of the day. But in that group of three, I was like, "Well, Sagan's gonna smoke these fools." Yeah. Like, yeah, there's did no Sagan way. just find himself? Did he just find himself in a bad position? And Kiwakowski and well, Alaphilippe he... just used him because they were like, "Okay, yeah. you're leading this out." He had to you're... do a lot more work. I mean, both those Kiwakowski took kind of, he took a real pull. Alaphilippe kind of took yeah. like a half pull. He looked like he he didn't he just didn't have it, and that's what it sounded like in post race interviews. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was in the position like he always is. Like he has to work too much. So I mean, if yeah. he brings anybody with him, he has to do majority of the work. And you know that you're going to get there because Sagan, he seems like from his post race interviews, he seems to be like, yeah, you know, I made the podium. You know, like Can screw, we... like it seems like he at that point is like, you know what? What's going to look awesome? What is going to remind people that I am the coolest cyclist in the world? It's that. Even if I lose this, I drag these guys to the finish and a breakaway wins for the first time in years. Yeah. You know, the thing that people are like, oh, it just can't really happen anymore. It's going to happen because Sagan <laughs> decides it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, That's this... true. That's a good way to look at it. But Kiyokoski yeah, beat Sagan last year at the E3, which yes. is next weekend. So, I mean. Is that next weekend after Ghent? Yeah, I think the E3 is next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we get Dwarz and then E3 and then Ghent, I believe. Okay. Yeah, they kind yeah, of so moved right. the, the order around a little bit this year. But yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe anyway. Gant's first. So Sagan takes the, 
you know, Sagan gets a solid second place. Crazy bike through alluded to earlier. Alaphilippe in third. I don't know if you guys saw who um, won the group sprint, but I am a soothsayer. I am on <laughs> point so far this year. I think I'm going to win any type of prediction contest because Alexander Kristoff takes a solid fourth place in the uh, sprint. Five seconds back. I don't know how roller derby would have occluded this, but or would have uh, um, adjudicated this gamble on if it was a group sprint or not. I would say it was not, not a group sprint, not. which I also predicted. Um, so, wow, it's you know, I'm pretty sure I'm Congrats. the winner here. I'm just going to yeah. put myself over. All right. Um, Did you guys can, notice? I want Tim. I'm just going to cut you off right there. That's fine. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that one, you got a quick step rider. At the finish, right? Third place, yep. Philippe. You got Kwiatowski, who came yep. up with Quick Step and was mm-hmm. was formerly a Quick Step rider. And you have Sagan, who had like a tryout for Quick Step back in the day before he went to Cannondale, and they passed on him. Biggest mistake Quick Step has ever made. And they <laughs> they are good, obviously, at picking future stars of the sport. Because look mm-hmm. at that pod- podium. Two of them at least rode for the team, but well, three of those, all three of those dudes, at some point. Basically came through the Quick Step like feeding system. Quick Step well, is then, the greatest team at picking. Are you ready to stars. blow your mind? You ready to get your mind blown? If you go to blow the it. wide angle podium, five places. Yeah, fifth place was Fernando Gaviria. Yeah, no, it's like just thinking about I heard what Quick Step tall. has given us in terms of awesome riders. It's pretty nuts. So hats um, off to Quick Step. I think one of my the, it was pretty cool also to see um, Degan Cole up there at the end. So I know that this is kind of like his, uh, I don't want to say revenge year, but it is like his, I mean, that tragic crash that he had with the team giant training camp last year, mm-hmm. um, to yeah. see him back to get in the top 10 at, um, Milan San Remo yeah. and little guy. How do you feel about, uh, Michael Matthews, bling Matthews getting a solid 12th place at, uh, hey, Paris Roubaix. I feel or, good sorry, about it. Cause uh, Milan San Remo. <laughs> Cause yeah, you're like, yeah, he got 12th, but come on, he's a sprinter and he got 12th and he had his team doing all that work. He blew it. I like it. Now, you, you know what I like too on the on the Poggio. You know who I saw going off the back on the live feed right away. Uh, My yeah. boy Visconti. <laughs> that was like the camera panned at one point, and I was like, "Oh, who's that floating off the back?" <laughs> Satisfaction already brought to me in this nice. race. Nice. Well, you know, speaking of uh, former Quick Step riders that uh, that are also you know having a comeback year. Well, anyway. Got some mention on the live feed. Filippo yeah. Pizzato got a call out on the live <laughs> yeah, feed. because the, the announcers freaked out when they yeah. saw him in the group. They're like, Why wouldn't oh, there's, you? Uh, there's Tim Wellens is still there. Whoa, people Pizz- Whoa! Pipo Pizzato! Yeah, that's what I did. Uh, Spencer, <laughs> did you see? There was a shot at one point of Pipo Pizzato poking around on his frame in an area where there is nothing on your frame. I hmm. think he was trying to find that button. For the motor, <laughs> yeah. and I—I must obviously he never found it. <laughs> no, because I don't even know what place he finished in. But there was this shot of they had a zoomed-in shot of him like, bang, like touching his seat cluster with his finger, and you're like, dude, the brake is behind that. If you're trying to work on the brake, and like I would keep the motor button in one of my levers personally. Um, yeah, I can't answer that. I didn't. Okay. I didn't <laughs> see that on the on the live footage, but I was it excited was to see him, and it reminded me of the. You know, the beautiful photo of him posting up at Milan San Remo uh, 2011 uh, when he won. Uh, no. I think you say 20 years ago. 20 <laughs> years ago when he won. 2006 that he won. Was it? Can I? Yeah. It was we a had, lifetime. 
Damn. <laughs> I know. I know I you know, first off, no one voted. No one picked Pizzato to be finished in 16th place, but we did no. have a record number of contestants in our hashtag 16th place competition. And, yep. of course, we picked 16th place because it is the coolest of all places to finish if you can't win. Because it usually means... That you did some kind of work, you're up there to kind of uh, partake in the race, but then maybe you sit up at the end in a classic slow ride podcast finishing style where you're like, yeah, I don't want to crash. I don't want to get hurt here at the finish. We'll just let these guys go ahead and finish. And then you kind of roll along in 16th place. And Spencer, we did not have someone actually choose 16th place um, this week. No, the, uh, because the, the, it was missed. Yeah, it was nobody missed. nailed it. No one, no one hit exactly 16th place, which is all right, because it was Luca Metzig of Orica Scott. So, Luca, congratulations. Welcome to the 16th place club. You uh, join the likes of uh, Edward Thunes and many others. But we did have someone choose 17th place finisher Ben Swifty. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and he's done. Swifty because he's British. So that's why yep. you add the E. So if you ever notice those interviews, they're always going to just say, oh, yeah, Swifty over there. Yep. Um, got a solid 16, 17th place for UAE Emirates. And Spencer, who chose the wonderful Ben Swifty? Uh, that was uh, on Twitter, the Wandering Wrench. So at Wandering Wrench, correct in the prediction, Ben Swift, 16th place. So Wandering Wrench, hit us up on the email, the slow ride podcast at gmail.com. We have a sweet Trek factory racing scarf that we got from Trek two years ago that Spencer <laughs> discovered in his uh, bedroom, and we're going to send that off to you with some other wide-angle podium gears. Congratulations to the Wandering Wrench. Once again, emails at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com, and we will um, take uh, care of you. And congratulations, Ben Swift, for 17th place, but maybe next time you should try a little bit harder for 16th place. Yeah, he should. Hey, you guys ready for a quick, just a quick one quiz, quiz corner? Uh, I'm not. So is ready, it a quiz? Is sure. it a quick quiz it's a, it's a, it's corner? A one quiz, quiz corner. No, corner. it's a Chris, Chris, Chris Horner, corner, quiz corner. corner. No, Chris place Horner, you, quiz corner. Chris Horner, quiz corner. What place do you guys think Carlos Betancourt got? He got his first finish of finish? the year. Oh. He finished. He's had two DNFs <clears> and he finished. What do you guys think? I'd be uh, surprised if he was in the top 100. I'm going to say 48th place. Neither of you is I, right. 134th place. But our but boy, he finished. he finished a bike race. Uh, so, hey, things are on the up and up. That's good. Yeah. Uh, things are of. looking good. He was he was in a pretty big group five minutes back. So, that's all right. He finished with Mark Cavendish. So. Yeah. I wonder if he took him at the line. He did not. No, Cavendish took 101st. Okay. Well, so I'm pretty sure at this point, um, after we've talked about Milan San Remo and the 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 crushing of it, it's time to get right into the uh, this week's prem lap. I think you're right. All right. This is Sarah Goff, U.S. Olympian, and this is the Slow Ride Podcast. This week's episode of the Slow Ride Podcast brought to us once again by Michelin Bicycle Tires. 
And you have the chance to win some Michelin Power Endurance tires by a simple Instagram contest. We already have 20 entrants on it. You go to hashtag WAP Power Contest, and you just tag Michelin Bicycle in a photo of you riding a bike. It's very, very simple. It it really doesn't get much easier, and your odds right now are stellar that you could win a set of tires. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. I mean, everybody's got a camera phone. Everybody's got an Instagram. If you don't have an Instagram, have your teenager Instagram it for you, and they can use that hashtag WAP Power Contest and tag Michelin Bike. And, you know, maybe you, uh, I don't know, you keep the tires. You have to work out your own deal with your teen. I don't know what teens are into these days. Yeah, I know, right? But you do, you win some Michelin Power Endurance tires, which the best part about these is that uh, you can put the miles on and you don't need to worry about the flats. Um, the, the reviews have been uh, stellar all across the uh, um, country, oh, yeah. including uh, Michael Houghton over at our uh, one of our favorite sites, Red Kite Prayer, just said that, like, hey, man, these tower, these tires are, like, the best tires you can have because after 500-plus miles of riding, we can say at least this tire got to hang out with the fast crowd and that you didn't have to worry about any type of flats going on. So rolls yeah. fast, great tire. We'd like to thank Michelin Bicycle for supporting us. You can find them on Twitter at Michelin Bike USA. Let them know on Twitter what you think. Also, you can go to Instagram at Michelin Bicycle, tag them in the photo and hashtag WAP power contest. And two weeks from now, we are going to pick a winner who's going to win some sick tires. It's true. You've never, you've never won a freer pair of tires in your life. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And just for a quick shout out. Okay. Bonus points on the WAP power endurance tire contest. Like if you're doing the WAP power um, contest hashtag, if it's a picture of you and Babendium hanging out. The greatest corporate mascot of all time. Bendium. That's true. Michelin Bicycle. Find it. That's true. Um, so this week, uh, we are also brought to, uh, to you by Health IQ. Um, you should be well aware of Health IQ by now. If you've been listening to the show, they've been a great supporter. Uh, you can get your Health IQ over at healthiq.com slash slowride. Um, what you do is you go there, you take a little quiz about cycling. They see how much you actually know. And if you score, and this is good, if you score elite, yeah. That's pretty much guaranteed me. Yeah. <laughs> if you score elite uh, in, in, in their quiz, that's automatic 5 to 10% discount off life insurance over uh, what else you're going to find out there. So, boom, easy. Everybody, everybody that listens to this podcast is obviously elite. Whether they're a master yes. or a cat three or whoever, we know you're elite. We know you're. We see you. Um, anyway, they can save you uh, money right off the bat. There, um, you can you can save money a lot of other ways. If you're a, a sprinter type, you know you got the big build. You got those sprinter legs. Yeah, you got those grateful legs. Yeah, because when I used to be a big sprinter, yeah. I would get docked on my life insurance uh, policy. But now these guys actually have it where they don't even measure on BMI. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they take into consideration more than just BMI. They, uh, they do a hip-to-waist ratio. Usually gets people, they say, 25% better um, uh, change in their, their rates. So that can be a lot. And they also do things like forgive a family history issue and, um, you know, don't dock you for low heart rates. So a lot of good things, very cycling-focused. They know what they're talking about. They know what to look for. And it's going to save you money. Uh, we would appreciate it if you could check it out health iq 
Slowride.com slash Slowride. And the Wide Angle Podium Network is uh, – we have huge news that we're about to drop here in a second. Oh, my God. Huge but news. WideAnglePodium.com. Join up. Uh, take a look at uh, what it takes to be a member. You can get some free stuff. There are a bunch of great shows on the Wide Angle Podium Network. We have the Consummate Athlete Podcast, the legendary Crosshairs Radio Podcast, which has yeah. a great episode that is messenger approved um, is. about the, uh, <laughs> the classic premium rush that just came out. We have the dirt field recordings about real life professional bike racing in the U.S., the Honest Bicycle Program, Kids Don't Follow, Busting Out the Tunes, the Meyerson line. So much great stuff. And we're about to announce one more here, but... You can go to WideAnglePodium.com. You can donate, and you can actually choose what show that your donation goes to to help fund the uh, the program. This yeah. helps cover the the expensive um, hosting costs. You just got to think about the the gigabytes of uh, space. We're at 147 episodes of this of this show alone. Yeah, that that's a lot of uh, storage <laughs> fees. Trust us, we're not making a ton of money here, but we do want to give a shout out. To the legendary Teamsters local 638 union member, John Senum, who I have known for a long, long time, and he's one of the hardest workers I know. He um, has been in the Minneapolis bike community uh, for a while, uh, former all-stater all in tennis, just a great dude. He has donated <laughs> money to the Slow Ride, and yep. he's going to get a sweet water bottles. He's going to get some T-shirts, a sticker pack. And he's going to get a Circle of Trust mystery gift. Now, Spencer, you may yep. not know this about John, but, man, is he into his music? So I'm thinking we oh. might need to scare oh. up seven inch of the legendary Arden J- Chapman noise band and send that over to him. <laughs> those are those are a rarity. They are hard to find. Uh, I don't know if that will be our Circle of Trust gift, but we are going to put our collective heads together at the Slow Ride Podcast and come up with something good for John to say thank you so for I- his gift. And I know I'm the personal connection here to John, and, and you and you know John on Twitter. Um, he's chosen to support uh, the Crosshairs Radio podcast, our uh, the Slow Ride podcast, and Kids Don't Follow, which is great. So we're going to get some more uh, non-cycling uh, mm-hmm. connections. But we all have someone that we've gotten to know through bikes, and a lot of times we have like mentors, right? Um, Billy O'Reilly in Minneapolis, famous uh, coach. A lot of us know. Yeah, um, totally. You know, John was probably the first person that I knew that really took me to the next level of bikes because I used to ride my, my mountain bike in, an old specialized mountain bike, into work at 3 a.m. on the shift at UPS. <laughs> and I got to know John, and he started telling me about uh, bike shops, what I should expect and what I should look for in a bike, and uh, kind of pushed me over that hump. Uh, he was a Cat 3 racer at one point, and uh, so it was pretty cool to uh, have someone that you could talk to about the tour when you were first getting into it and not feel stupid about yeah. what was going on. Yeah. So he did that for me, and I hope that we get to do that with the podcast. So uh, that's a that's a special support coming from uh, from John. So thanks, John. And this his support leads into the bigger story that we have a brand new show. Yeah, you kind of buried the, uh, the lead. <laughs> I, I, I know I kind of buried the lead, but the the truth is we have a new show here. Yeah, on the, uh, our, the our, network. Our our podcast family is growing here at the Wide Angle Podium. Um, we've this we've added ringers. another step to the Wide Angle Podium. You could say. <laughs> In a well-rounded podcast, because yeah. there's a lot of dudes on this network, and we have the dirt field recordings. But now we're, we're we have something even better. Fest, yeah. <laughs> Straight out of Portland, Oregon, we got the "We Got to Hang Out" podcast. The sound quality is amazing. The whole premise of the entire show is fantastic, and they had Katie Compton on as an interview, and it was an amazing interview. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the most recent episode. Oh, but yeah. 
did. This show is game changer for the network. I am very, very excited about that we got to hang out. Even the the opening riff that they do about like <laughs> like oh man, we got to hang out. Well, I guess I bought the domain name, so now we're gonna have to stick with it. it yep, fantastic. I'm very, very excited. Yeah, no, it's a great show. I've listened to uh, all the episodes so far, and uh, I've been loving it. So you know, it's definitely been on my radar, and I'm really psyched to have it part of the network officially. So uh, if you haven't already checked it out, um, you know you're you're gonna. I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised. Head on over to wideanglepodium.com. We've got all their episodes up there. You can uh, go on through the back uh, catalog. They're only um, six or seven episodes in now, so you don't have to. You're not too far behind, um, but it's a great show, great prom- premise. They just uh, get some some cool bike racer, bike industry person, and they hang out and chit chat. And it's not always about bikes, but it's always sort of about bikes, and it's good. It very excited. Yeah. So Annalisa and Abby, welcome yep. to the uh, family. And I hope I did a great job of pronouncing <laughs> both of those names, so they can they know exactly what they're getting into. Welcome to the Wide Angle Podium Network family. We're very excited to have you there, and uh, we, we expect big things because it's already been a fantastic uh, start yep. of your podcast. And please go check it out on iTunes. And yep. uh, pretty much, I mean, that was a slam jam. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, yeah, was Prem, Prem Lab. So, Tim, uh, I got one question. Yeah. We're, we're 147 episodes in. When are we yeah. going to get Katie Compton on our show? I don't know. Probably after George Hancappy. <laughs> For fuck's sake, kid. This is Adam fucking Myerson, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, we're back, and what better way to start it than a five-star review on iTunes coming from Fez481, and he says, or she says, sorry, chamois-sniffing fanboys or cool dudes talking about their passion, question mark. There's a lot of cycling podcasts out there, and they mostly fall into three categories, breathless chamois-sniffing fanboys and girls, dudes who talk aimlessly about the sport, and coaches trying to drum up business. These guys are a great combo of the first two categories, minus the chamois sniffing, though the little guy may be a secret chamois sniffer. Nice insight and news about the pro peloton, amusing Um. stories of their own racing exploits, and humorous takes on the cycling scene in general. As with all my podcasts, I run it on one and a half times the speed, which makes Spencer sound normal when he talks. Oh, zing. All right, we've both been burned. Well, all right, burn Tim now. Burn Tim now. No, there's no, that's it. This is strange. <laughs> this is, well, well, this is the strangest. Say, at what, what I was reading that, because I read these without previewing them, that you guys are now just going to assume that I am Fez481 that yeah, uh, wrote that review. Yeah, yeah, it's the only thing that makes any sense, I got to say. Because I think if you go back through all the other reviews, not one of them burns anyone but Tim. Yeah, that's a little weird, but suspect. Um, suspect. I'm not even sure what that means to be a chamois sifter, snifter, sifter. Well, I think oh, all the chamois fanboy. I think it means like just you a know, big fanboy. Okay. Like you're just gonna say like, "Hey, man, I love Chris Froome because he wins the tour all the time." Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah. well, I think me and Spencer both sniffed out the Dutch pretty hard like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. You know, we got, we're still receiving feedback about that. You know that little guy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
We actually, um, somebody forwarded us a, uh, a link i got to tell you about. Pro Cycling Stats, one, uh, one of your favorite websites, I know, little guy. Oh, love it. On, on March 16th, so well after that episode aired, put up a new uh, article about the Peloton's shortest, tallest, heaviest, and lightest. Oh, really? So were they inspired by the Slow Ride podcast? We may I'd never like know. I hope so, yeah. But they definitely tried to figure out who was the tallest after uh, we talked about it. So there you go. Um, I'm going to have to check that out. I want to know who the latest. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, got to be Joe Dombrowski. Come on. It maybe. doesn't look like he's eaten in three years. Uh, the tallest, <laughs> though, Connor Duane from uh, Aqua Blue Cycling, an Irish cyclist. 6'9". Oh. 6'9". That's really tall. I don't That's think really of the Irish tall. as being tall. Yeah. There's some <laughs> hilarious team photos. You should check them out. Anyway. <laughs> the heaviest uh... rider is Tom Stansnyder at 90 kilograms, which is amazing. Yeah. And for those doing count at home, 90 kilograms to pounds is uh, 192 pounds. Wait, what? That's it? That's the heaviest guy? That's me. <laughs> oh, 198 okay 198 all right all right it's thanks tom he's the, he's the mississippi to my alabama so this is uh this is pretty awesome so this is uh, uh pretty great to see the lightest I, rider little guy kenny yeah. elisande oh okay that's funny at 52 I, um, and then dominico Pozavivo at 53 um uh kilograms so uh and sammy dumoulin so that's the guy i was thinking of is obviously the uh shortest and he's french so that yeah. goes counter to everything that you're saying. And okay, not, <laughs> not one Dutch everything guy is in I the say. top three. Okay. Yeah, um, that's true. You guys want to know who the most transferred rider of all time is? And you can thank a Mr. Lance Armstrong for making uh, Filippo Simoni oh, uh, the most transferred sense. rider of all time. Because Are you serious? Lance, yeah, More so 12, than Popovich? 12 transferred. Well... He didn't. He only was with a couple teams. He more seasons maybe, but the most transfers. Oh, okay. But coming in number third with a strong American finish, Chris Horner with eleven transfers in his wow. pro career. Okay, I'm not even looking. So let's go through some of Chris Horner's teams. Prime Alliance. Yeah. He was on Mercury, Prime Alliance, Saturn. He was on Cofidis, right? Or was it FDJ? Yeah, FDJ. When he went to France the first FDJ. time. FDJ. Okay, FDJ. Then he yeah. was on Sunyard Duval. Yeah. yeah. He was on. Um, yeah, hey, you're doing really good. Uh, uh, <laughs> wait, he went to Sunyard Duval, and then he went to uh, Spencer. Help me out here. Webcore? No. Oh, there's a Webcore team. Yeah, he was on yep. Webcore. Yeah. Hey, Webcore is not day. on this list, you guys. Well, he was what? on it. Well, he was on it because he was on it with a uh, uh, face tattoo guy. He must yeah. have been on Player. there when he was on, technically, on Francis. Now, Jones was he on Twitter. Postal? Was Horner on Postal? No, no, no. He was, no. On, he was on Radio Shack, though. Radio Shack. Okay. Radio was Shack. he on Motorola? No. No, he's not. He doesn't that. go back that far. Okay. Okay. So he's on Postal. And then. No, um, he wasn't on Postal. We just decided. Yeah. That. Not, not Postal. <laughs> Sorry. Radio Shack. Same thing. Yeah. We skipped ahead, though, from Webcore. Yeah, you guys jumped over uh, he, he a was... certain team that my wife really likes. <laughs> oh, Boulot, Boulangerie. The. the um... Come the, on, the, Astana. The Come on, Astana. Oh, Astana. <laughs> Come on. Uh, okay. He was on he, Astana. That's he right. used to help Cadell Evans for a while. Does that help you, Tim? So he was on BMC? No, pre that. Remember when Cadell <laughs> raced for another team? 
that he almost quick, won the tour on. Quick step. <laughs> Lotto. Lotto. Okay. Yeah, he was on yeah. two that's, Lottos, that's, and I don't know if they're the, counting this. Devinamon uh, and Predator. Yeah. Yeah, is Predictor. he on rock racing? I would no. imagine Chris Horner would be on rock racing because <laughs> no. that would be awesome. No, but then, he is on lupus. We know that. Lupus. Oh, air gas, lupus and air gas. And Lamprey. I forget. Don't remember about he was on Lamprey. Lamprey. Yeah. He was on yeah, Lamprey. He, remember he raced the tour when he was sick and stuff? And then. And then they took him off of uh, that, that was fun. the Volta. Jesus. He was on a lot of teams that were the same team but then changed. Like he was yeah. on Davidamon Lotto, but then he was on Predictor Lotto. And then he was on Astana and then Astana Pro Team. And then like Radio Shack, but then it became Radio Shack Nissan and then Radio Shack Leopard. So lots of like hmm. strange interchangings at the same time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's been your Chris Horner corner. <laughs> Very good. Very good. We need to figure out how many teams Hincap he's been on, but I think it's only one. I think it's two. Hey, no, three. I'm, no, four. I'm looking at... Uh, it's four. I'm looking at Mario Cipollini's uh, pro cycling stats, and this alludes uh-huh. to something that I brought up on my Instagram the other day. Okay. So they go through like all of his teams, like Del Tongo, uh, when he first started. I didn't even know that team existed. But then he was in Merc- Mercatone Uno, uh-huh. and then he was on Seiko Forever, Aqua Saponi, and then Domino Vacanze, and then he went to Liquid Gas. And he took a nice three-year gap, mm-hmm. and then they don't even mention it on our pro cycling stats. <laughs> what team brought him out of retirement in 2008? God, that's embarrassing. all too often, people forget about the glorious of the one-week mm-hmm. um, adventure that was the Tour of California and Mario Cipollini racing for rock racing, um, which, amazing, he actually finished the yeah. uh He did race. well. He even got third place in a sprint in Sacramento. I was going to say, I think he got on a podium in, the, in like stage one or two or three or something yeah. like that. So pretty pretty impressive. Uh, so, yeah, let's not forget about the that one week of glory when Mario Cipollini was on uh, rock racing. How much money do you think Michael Ball had to give Mario Cipollini to come out of retirement? Apparently, well, he could promise whatever money he wanted. He just... Yeah, he just couldn't actually <laughs> deliver it. I bet he just paid him in like pre-washed denim. <laughs> so we got a uh, we got <laughs> pre-washed denim. Nice. We got a nice email from Ruby Rubay, and he says, "Hey guys, in the next few years, some of our favorite riders will be reaching the end of their cycling careers." And he saw that oh. Manuel Kinziato just got his master's degree in law, and after oh. retirement, clearly intends to be a uh, criminal defense attorney. And he and he gave a photo of uh, Manuel uh, with graduation with his uh, juris doctor, um, uh, uh, you know certificate there and he was talking about he said you know i'm pretty sure people will go on to uh, develop europe's most successful italian language pornographic art studio Mm -hmm. and betancourt will probably become (laughs) betancourt will probably become colombia's most popular roadside gelato seller Mm -hmm. but i'd still love to hear where you think some of the older riders will be heading so i think i'll just throw it out there right now contador is definitely gonna go on to become a um, cattle rancher uh it's only natural that he's gonna Yes, he is going to um, become a, a king of the meats in um, in Spain. I think the pistoleros would come in handy there too. I don't know if he's. I don't know if as a, as a cyclist, I would trust buying meat from him. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we we know that Boonin is going to become uh, in a couple weeks. He's going to be a like a sales rep, sort of like cool dude for a custom car company. That's pretty sweet. That's probably he a good gig. He's probably. He make, I bet like, he can make his own rims. Yeah, well, he's he's going. That's like some sort of Belgian crazy supercar company. That I heard. I've never heard um, 
I heard that uh, Dan Martin was running for uh, the Senate in Ohio. <laughs> so that's exciting. I thought he was going to start small and just go for like a local post. No, I, I think like, he's banking on that, like that li- uh, fame library that, board. Uh, being America's most popular cyclist has gotten him. I thought he was going to run Cleveland mayor, kind of following Dennis Kucinich's footsteps. Could be. Um, um, I heard Heimar Zubeldia is going to... Wait, no, he's never retired. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Cadell Evans, he could be doing something. Yeah, I what mean, does Cadell do? He has that race. He, he has the Cadell Evans race, which is the most creatively named race I've heard. Yeah. yeah what Does he have a job? But you know what? Props to him because, you know what? Every other retired cyclist has a grand fondo, and he has a real race. No, and it's like let, Levi's Grand true, Fondo, Phil's Grand that's Fondo, true. whoever's Grand Fondo, and it's the Cadell Road Race. That's can cool. We, I'm down with we, that. Can we tip our caps to the coolest man in retirement, which is Johnny Buño? Not only does he run the like union for cyclists, like he's the president right now, dude flies helicopters and looks <laughs> damn handsome doing it. All right. <laughs> so... Last week, you guys may remember that we uh, talked all about um, villains in cycling, oh, and yeah. uh, we got quite a bit of feedback. Um, we'll start going through some of it, but uh, Rudy Cycling Art uh, hit us up and said, hey, the super evil villain is Dave Brailosford. And that was a, a pretty near unanimous. A lot of people are not fans of Dave Brailsford of uh, Team Sky, who's still around, yep. still running things, still ruining things. But yeah. yeah. There you have it. There's a there's a villain. Did you guys see any more come across that you also thought was a Yeah, key? well, see, we were kind of talking about well, maybe we didn't specify. I don't remember, but I think we were all thinking Grand Tour uh type of, you know, heroes and villains and whatnot, but a lot of votes for Cavendish actually coming through as uh as the sprinter uh side of things. So, right. That's There was a, a kind of cool. Now, Cavendish I kind of have warmed up to him a little bit to be perfectly honest is that you know, it's it's that classic, uh, oh, he's mature now. It won me over, like how they redo that story all the time, right? Yeah. Just because he hasn't done anything really dumb that you're like, oh, you know, maybe he's not that bad. And then you start listening to him, and he's like, oh, he's kind of funny. Yeah, he's a little stick stuck up, but, you know, who isn't? Yeah. And so that's kind of uh, uh, fallen in. We also got a lot. Little guys, you'll be happy to know there's a lot of Bling Matthews votes for uh, yeah. villain in cycling. So. Do you guys think – I was thinking about this in terms of uh, greatest villain teams of all time, and I was going to nominate the Gay-Swiss – Gay Swiss? I don't know how you're supposed to say it – Ballon team. I'm going to say the 1994 edition because not only do you have Berzin, <laughs> who is a huge doper, you got Moreno Argentin, who always seemed like a total dickhead and a total cheat, and you've got uh, Johnny Furlone, another guy who is super good with drugs, and uh, Petri Ergamov, another guy who also – Oh, and Bjarni Reese. Come on. <laughs> that is a dopers like those guys basically showed everybody else that they needed to get on that EPO train. I mean, if you're picking teams from, from anywhere in history, like I I gotta think the aforementioned rock racing is giving anybody a run for their money. <laughs> yeah, rock racing may be the most because it was full of villains. It was, yeah. but what I'm saying about this team is they showed everybody everybody some people yeah. were probably doing some EPO, some people were thinking maybe you should do it. This team Used the EPO, went straight to Ferrari. They right. went one, two, three at at uh, <laughs> at what was it yeah. like Ghent or something? Uh, they uh, or at Fletch at Fletch. They broke away at Fletch, 
rode the entire peloton one two three off their wheel that's insanity that race yeah. only so, comes down to a sprint every year that's insane yes yeah. then that's yes, the power that's of true. EPO. That's the power of a villain team. Um, we, several votes also came in for uh, Nasir Buhani, um, mm. Paul uh, Paul Soldo, and then Eric Welsh also hit us up. So you know, Nasir I'm, Buhani, I don't, I can I can back that one up. I don't know, I don't know how you guys feel, but I <laughs> like, tried to, you talk, tried to, to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I tried to talk to him at Worlds, and he shut me down and was like, "Yeah, I don't speak English," <laughs> and just yeah. walked away. And he said it in a perfect Texan accent yeah, <laughs> or something. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, pretty brutal. Um, yeah, lots of Cav. Uh, Derek Lewis uh, was like, hey, Cav. And then he also just threw in in his tweet that the Dinka people of South Sudan are taller than the Dutch. So, yeah, we're still getting the hate from that one. So thanks, little guy. Um, it's statistically and then, true that as a the, nation, they are the tallest. But, I, you know, Ruby Rubik continues to come from the Dinka people a nation, member. or is this like, a, like, a, like a, a, a group of people that live within another nation? So maybe that's I think it's where a group, I'm yeah. Wrong. Okay, yeah, maybe that's what it is. But let's – Ruby Ruibe probably hit it out of the park with the most factual of them all. And he said, hey, on a serious note, the biggest villain in cycling is actually uh, uh, Sheikh Fasil bin Hamid <laughs> Al-Khalifi, the owner yeah. of the Bahrain Merida cycling team who has a litany of, um, you know, yep. human rights violations that, uh, yep. that uh, cannot go um, forgotten. So there you have it. The villains of cycling, they're there, they're around us, but it also makes the sport that much more exciting um, for us to watch and for who to cheer against. Yeah. Absolutely. So, man. Hey, little guy. Yeah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> we just got another. Uh, Stephanie B was hitting us up about, uh, you know, the Dutch people not being the uh, tallest in the Twitter uh, as well. That one just came oh across. Gosh. So, yeah, thanks for okay. that. Okay. All um, right, let's see and here. What did she say? Oh, you know, just no, I, oh, you just wanted to tell me I that she said something, it. but not what she yeah. said. Okay. Hey guys, uh, Christopher San Martino hits us up. Love your podcast. Playful tips on cycling, fashion, and etiquette. I have to say, Spencer, like Spencer, I do not always shout out on your left when overtaking, as sometimes a startled cyclist ahead of me veers to the left in front of me. I think you need to assess the rider's experience level. Are they on a riding a Walmart bike, cargo shorts, sandals, and backwards baseball cap? Or they kitted out in a Rafa, Stratus Swarks. Either way, one may veer in front of you, but the S-Works guy will yell at you for not announcing on the left. Usually, if there's no traffic, I just pass in the middle of the road, waving as I go by, of course. Keep up the banter, Chris. And he also included a sweet picture of his Klein Pulse comp, all uh, dirtied up with, uh, you know, wants us to critique it later. But I think I'm kind of a with chris a little bit here is that i also do a little bit of assessing of if i'm gonna say on your left or not i do find myself going a little bit wide when i'm passing someone and then giving them a good old hearty hello or hope all is well and i give them a little bit of that harley davidson wave you guys yep yeah i think yeah that's pretty fair that's a pretty good way to do it because you know it's weird it's like when you say on your left people who aren't maybe uh expecting it it's like they just hear the word left and then immediately drift left. <laughs> I don't know what the tractor beam thing is oh, with that. It is but a tractor beam. Man, it's it's sometimes much safer to just be like, well, I'll, just, I'll be by before you know what's going on. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Just sort of jump them quick. Yeah, you try to be nice about it and be like, how's, you know, how's it going? Or like, hey, give them a little wave so- and uh, you're good to go. 
And as alluded to earlier in the world of bike racing, we do have Dwarves coming up on Wednesday, I believe. And then you have E3 and then Ghent Veligum um, coming up here to round out the month before. Oh, wait, sorry. Joey Martin Stage Race also starts oh. next week. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. This is, this is the best. We're in the we're in the best moment of cycling right now. It's true. We are, it's it true. is pretty good. Firmly into the meat of this potato sandwich. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. And right, meat and potato sandwich. Did you see? Um, did you see the guy uh, from Cannondale that was doing the live tweeting? The Dan yeah, Craven yeah. tweeting, talking Tom's, about going back. Tom Skeuns, yeah, yeah. He, I don't uh, know much about Tom Skeuns. Tell me a little bit about him. Why? Why well, should I care about him? I don't know. All I know is he went back to the team car for a potato, according to his Twitter, during the race. <laughs> oh, okay. Was he in the break? Um, he was in the break, right? Yeah, yeah, he was in the break. Um, so we, we made uh, we made some gifts of the race uh, while it was happening. I put up a nice one of him uh, uh, at the front of the break before they were getting caught uh, with the caption that he was making the tater tots, um, which I thought was a pretty nice playoff of his tweet from earlier. So. He's from Lesbia. Here's the thing: if you type, if you start typing his name into the Pro Cycling Stat search engine, and you just put Tom and then S K like I did because I didn't know how to spell his name, Pro Cycling Stat it comes up S K U J I and then two question marks. Like they didn't even know how to spell it. It's yeah, it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> like eh, that's how people usually search for it is question mark. Yeah, yeah, you had a good he's day. From yeah, gotta say, I guess he's been around for a little while. Didn't know much yeah. about him. I, yeah. I would think that the Latvia uh, National Championship jersey could be pretty awesome because the, the colors of that flag are pretty badass. So, yeah. Tommy, go do a something. A lot of those teams listed as his <laughs> pro team are not actually – they're Tom's, like Tom's, if you're basically listening, a, elite amateur teams. I'm going to need you to yeah. go win that jersey. Yeah, go win that. All right. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about on this week's episode of the Slow Ride Podcast? No? Uh, We'd like to thank you for listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. We'd – We'd also like to thank Michelin Tires for sponsoring the Slow Ride Podcast. Make sure you go to their Instagram and you tag Michelin Bicycle. Take a picture of whatever it is, whatever ride you want, and then add hashtag WAP Power Contest, and you have a chance to win some sweet new tires for your whip. So just go do it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, in addition to Michelin, this podcast is also supported by Health IQ. Life Insurance Company celebrates the health conscious, including cyclists like yourself. So visit healthiq.com slash slowride to learn more, get a free quote, check out their FAQs and all that, get your answer, get your questions answered. And, um, you know, that's that's how you can help us uh, support healthiq.com slash slowride, support Michelin Bike, uh, go into that contest. You've got a really good chance of winning some tires right now um you know i know you're buying i know you're out there buying those scratch off tickets you got no chance of winning that you got a real good chance of winning some michelin tires if you enter the instagram contest so definitely go check that out um i'm gonna go ahead and thank bk1 for the intro and outro music uh bk is an old friend of mine on rhyme sayers entertainment uh has a lot of great albums out go check those out yeah and uh always 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 wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out there on the road and with that we bid you adieu the slow ride podcast bikes advice and rumors straight from the source
theslowridepodcast.com and on Twitter at theslowridepod. You guys, I got a good, I got a good eBay watch, man, and I, I get to talk about it.